The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the session on updates to NLS's foreign language offerings. I'm Maria Kristich. I am chair of ACB's International Relations Committee, and I am so pleased to be here uh, with Mary Herjoyan of ACB's Multicultural Affairs Committee to have a conversation and time to get your questions answered with Kelsey Corlett-Rivera, NLS's foreign language librarian. But before we get to that, I will first turn it over, because this is a continuing education session, to Jeanette, our host, to provide the starting continuing education unit code. And there will be another one at the end. So stay tuned for that. Jeanette, over to you. Thank you, Maria. I am going to repeat the code slowly twice. Pay close attention because once I have repeated this opening code, I am not allowed to repeat again. Time number one, five, four, seven, two, four. I'm going to repeat the opening code, time number two and final time, five, four, seven, two, four. Back to you, Maria. Thank you, Jeanette. Before I introduce Kelsey and jump into our conversation, um, just a brief word about the International Relations Committee of ACB. Our mission is to promote the understanding and empowerment of people who are blind or have low vision around the world. And we do that through activities such as this and our other convention presentations, which I invite you to check out in your programs and join us for. We also curate ACB Braille Forum magazine issues focusing on blindness around the world, and we hold ACB community calls on the international blindness experience throughout the year. And we also provide, as we are able through donations from members and other sources, uh, blindness-related materials and equipment to those in emerging nations. And you can find out much more about us, including archives of our prior programs, by going to acb.org slash committees, so that's plural, and then clicking on international relations. So before I introduce Kelsey, I'd like to turn it over to Mary for a few words of welcome and about the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Okay, very good. Thank you, Maria. Well, welcome everybody. And um, my name is Mary Haroyan and I am a member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And um, our committee is basically um, committed to working with you know, ACB board of directors and all aspects of ACB to help enhance and promote diversity within our organization on all levels, membership, staffing, um, and, and through committees and, and all levels, as I said. Um, and we are also listed on the website. We um, can be found also on the same page as um, International Relations Committee under Multicultural Affairs Committee. We have some archived programming that you can find on our website of past events we've done through community. We have a um, book list as well, recommended book list on a, from 
a variety of different um, racial and ethnic groups um, that are sort of recommended reads. So feel free to check that out. Um, and um, looking forward to this discussion today with our foreign language librarian. So back back to you, Maria. All right, thank you, Mary. <laughs> now I am very pleased to welcome back to the ACB convention, Kelsey Corlidge Rivera, who is uh, the foreign, foreign language librarian for NLS. Uh, Kelsey joined the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled as the foreign language librarian in July of 2020. She's responsible for selecting foreign language books for the NLS collection and managing NLS's Marrakesh Treaty implementation. Kelsey came to NLS after a decade as an academic librarian at the University of Maryland, where she handled Spanish, French, Italian, and German collection development and library services for faculty, students, and researchers. Kelsey's prior experience as a translation project manager at the State Department and in the private sector exposed her to a wide variety of languages, which is proving to be very useful at NLS. Kelsey is originally from Montana and completed her undergraduate studies at Harvard University and graduate studies at the University of Maryland. So without any further ado, uh, Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. And let's uh, start, I know, as I mentioned, you were here last year and certainly everyone can visit our website for the archive of that great program but for those who may be new or who did not attend that session um, can we start with just a high-level overview of the the non-English uh, offerings of NLS what types of materials are there uh, how many of materials uh, you know sources for materials etc yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's so nice to be back again. Uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to join y'all today. Um, hopefully I can shed a little bit of light and, um, and I think there will be time to answer questions at the end. So you can definitely save those for down the road. Um, <clears throat> So to answer your question, Maria, uh, at this time, we have a few different sources to be able to add books in languages other than English to our collection. Um, so each year, at this point, we're producing about a thousand non-English books through our regular production processes at NLS. So that's narrating original books or converting commercial audiobooks. Um, we're also able to obtain about 900 uh books in other languages through the Marrakesh Treaty, exchanged with other countries. And then we are still converting some of our older analog cassettes uh, that we acquired back in the 80s and 90s that are in a wide variety of languages. So we're doing about 250 of those a year at this point. Um, I will say that some of our network libraries around the country also produce uh, foreign language books. Um, so like Texas is doing a lot in Spanish and, and Washington has added some in Chinese. Um, so we're, we're grateful for their participation as well. And so I'll say, you know, as of June 20th, when I ran these numbers, uh, we had a total of 8,813 books that are in 58 languages aside from English. So we have the most books in Spanish. Uh, that's always our goal. It's our highest demand languages, language for sure. Um, and then French and then German, Russian, Italian on, I won't say all 58 at this moment, but uh, we've got a lot of them. Oh, very exciting. And sounds like there's a lot of room for uh, growth of that collection, which we will get into. So uh, Mary, over to you. Okay, thank you, Maria. So, Kelsey, wondering um, what has been new with um, 
the foreign language collection over the past year that you'd like to share with us? Sure. Thanks, Mary. Um, So I guess probably the biggest change is in terminology. So in April 2023, we changed all analyst terminology to international language instead of foreign language. So I'm now the international language librarian, and I'm talking about our international language collection today. So we're really pleased to have been able to make this shift towards a more inclusive language um, approach. Uh, That's wonderful. Yes, it's it's really exciting. And I, I actually thought it would take longer to implement. So I'm happy to be able to say, I think last year I said this was one of my five-year goals. So I managed to get it done in a year. But uh, there's some other things that didn't quite work out as fast as I thought. So um, I won't get too cocky. Uh, So we also went live in February with a Spanish language NLS website. So it includes the most critical information for current and potential patrons. And that can be accessed at www.loc.gov slash NLS slash ES. There's also a button for it on the main English NLS website as well. Um, I did collaborate with some colleagues out in California at the Braille Institute to co-host one of the many faces of BARD programs in Spanish last fall. So we were able to share more about how BARD works um, and answer questions in Spanish. And then we did, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, to repeat that Spanish program and some other Spanish programming in the, the future. Uh, We also, you may have noticed, um, we rolled out a new catalog interface uh, earlier in this fiscal year um, since I was last here. It's much more accessible, um, and it also requires fewer steps to to search for books in particular languages. You know, with our previous catalog, you had to click here and then click here and set limits, and it it was a little bit tricky. Um, So the new system is much better. Um, So to be specific, uh, since I was last year, which was almost a year ago to the day, the 24th of June, I think, uh, we've added 2,146 international language books, and that's a 32% increase in the size of the collection overall. So we added books in 10 entirely new languages over the past year which were Afrikaans, Albanian, Amharic, Bulgarian, Cherokee, Passamaquoddy, which is an Algonquian language that's spoken in Maine and Canada, along with Somali, Tagalog, Tigrinya, and Yoruba. So uh, many of these were obtained from Sweden via the Marrakesh Treaty. And um, I'll just, I'm, I'm trying to spread the word about this because Sweden does have slightly more restrictive copyright rules in that they don't let, they, they're, you aren't supposed to keep library books for more than six months. Um, so you'll notice that the records for, for books um, in these languages in the in BARD and also in the catalog say, please delete this file within six months, but you can always re-download it if you didn't quite have time to finish it or something like that. And for books in these languages, we're willing to kind of jump through some more hoops because we'd have really few sources to, to obtain them in general. Um, it was also really exciting. Uh, earlier this spring, we added our first Spanish Braille book via the Marrakesh Treaty. Uh, we got Aura by Carlos Fuentes, which is a classic Mexican title. 
And we were able to get that from an organization in Mexico. Uh, we do anticipate being able to add more Spanish Braille from Mexico and also Spain in the near future. Um, Spain has a huge collection, um, but previously they were using a, a different file format that we couldn't handle. So they're in the process of, of changing that over. And then we're also working with an organization in Puerto Rico to obtain digital Braille books in Spanish. And a lot of these will, will go up on BART as digital Braille, but they will be able to be requested through the Braille on demand program. And we tested that out because um, we ran into this with books from Europe. They use A4 paper size because they use the metric system. And that makes printing on demand tricky because the files as is don't work on our, our paper sizes here in the U.S. Um, just a couple other updates. Uh, I was thrilled to be able to attend the International Federation of Library Associations conference in Dublin last year. Um, I got to know a lot of my counterparts around the world through the Committee for Libraries Serving People with Print Disabilities. And then I was also able to attend the Guadalajara Book Fair last fall. Um, so I was able to get a great selection of books in Spanish that are published in Latin America that aren't very easy to obtain in the U.S. So I got a really nice selection from Guatemala, Costa Rica, and Cuba, among other countries. So those are, you know, print books that have to be narrated, and they're making their way into the collection. Um, shipping was a little tricky, as you can imagine. Uh, we also found a couple of really amazing publishers from Mexico and Argentina that are producing Spanish print Braille books for children. So they're illustrated books. They have um, special text that's in a font that e is easier to read if you're dyslexic. And then all they also include the Braille text on each page. And then they also have an audio book that goes along with it. So it's a really, these, they're just really fantastic books. And, and we're starting to send those out around the country to our network libraries. And we are actually going to produce our own um, Spanish, but also bilingual Spanish and English um, print Braille books for, for children, mostly. Uh, so those are starting to show up in the collection right now. A lot of those are like, you know, Newberry honor books that have been translated into Spanish or like the Pura Belpre honor books um, for that have won children's book awards. So I'm pretty excited to, to start getting some of those. It's the first time we've been able to do that since 2014. So it was a big deal. And I'm sure there's a lot more stuff that has happened, but those are the high points that I kind of wanted to, to share today. Wow, that's, that's amazing. It sounds like so much of your um, job involves a lot of obviously collaboration with, you know, not only international libraries, but so many other like sources of books, publishers, and yes, as definitely. you mentioned, book fairs, must be a lot of, you know, just exhilaration in that too, that, that kind of collaboration. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, two weeks ago, I was at a conference I did a presentation, a poster presentation, um, and so folks could come up and, and chat with with me directly. I, I presented on the Marrakesh Treaty, and a, a um, librarian from Peru came up and said that she happened to know the people at the National Library of Peru who were working on the Marrakesh implementation, and um, she went back to Peru and and 
told pass my card on to them and we're already have a we already have a meeting scheduled in in mid-july so um sometimes being at the place i think we all kind of forget that you know now that we have zoom and we can communicate so much easier across time and space that it it does pay off to go to things in person now and then as well Mm. so it's nice to do that absolutely well thank you thank you for sharing all that Mm -hmm. um over to you maria Thank you, Mary. And yes, the, the power of networking and, and just some of those things I never would have thought about, like different size of paper. Um, so to, so you mentioned about those, uh, the five-year goals and how some of them, like the name change only took, you know, a year. And there are some others that are uh, still on the five-year and there are some new ones that are on the five-year uh, goal template. So to the extent that you uh, can share, I would like to share what are some of those uh, priority areas or goals that you have for them collection moving forward yeah absolutely um so this is an ongoing uh goal but we're continuing to share the books that we produce with other countries through the marrakesh treaty um so initially we shared just about 120,000 of our audio and braille books um and we we identified another batch of 6,000 to send earlier this year. And we're going to start doing that every six months going forward. Um, There's a lot of folks around the world who are reading our books at this point. Um, I think we, they've, we share them with the Accessible Books Consortium, which is based in Geneva and is a central clearinghouse for sharing through Marrakesh. Um, and they've been downloaded by about 47 different countries. So it's great that we're able to get those out there and help um, folks in other countries to be able to, to read as well. Uh, one thing that we got, we sort of got the ball rolling on in Guadalajara at the conference was starting to develop some direct arrangements with Spanish language audiobook producers um, and publishers so that we could obtain more commercial audiobooks in Spanish. You know, NLS has several agreements with um with English language publishers, but we are still sort of in the beginning stages of negotiating those agreements with Spanish language audiobook producers. So that would give a huge, give us sort of a huge um, source for, for commercial audio um, without having to purchase the underlying files. So fingers crossed we make progress there. I think it can be a long process sometimes. Um, So yeah, hopefully we can, we can make some, um, uh, inroads there. And then just this week, we're actually kicking off a new commercial conversion contract that will allow us to do full conversions with text navigation in more languages. Um, so right now we only have full conversion, like, you know, all of the chapter names and all of that in Spanish and English. And we're able to do a little French, but now we'll be able to do Chinese and Arabic and um, several German, Italian, and a couple others as well. So those will be like fully navigable um, Daisy audio versions of these commercial titles. We're just having more meetings about it today because as you can imagine, doing the navigation in in Chinese characters and Arabic script is a little bit tricky. Um, so we have to come up with some strategies for, for that. It, the characters tend to break, say, like our labels. <laughs> um, so little things like that. Um, and then one of the, it's, it's an ongoing project, but it's very exciting. Um, 
we've we've been able to start collaborating with our colleagues down at the main um, campus of Library of Congress a little bit more. So one thing that they have that um, really caught my eye is called the Palabra Archive. It used to be referred to as the Archive of Hispanic Literature on Tape. And they've actually um, recorded authors reading from their works over the years. So they have a huge collection. I think it's about, it's close to 800 recordings recordings of authors from Latin America and other um, Spanish-speaking and Portuguese-speaking countries reading their actual work. Uh, So we're collaborating with them to create um, anthologies, like talking book anthologies of these original author recordings by region. So we're pulling them together for Spain, for Mexico, for um, Hispanic authors in the U.S., for South America, Central America, the Caribbean, and then I think we'll be able to do Portuguese down the road as well. Um, but it should be a really we're amazing, like authentic anthology where you can hear how, you know, what the author sounded like, what what they had in mind when they were writing these these books. Um and it will be a lot easier to use than their website, which is is kind of accessible, but um, it's it's not like being able to just download a, a book from Bard, obviously. So that is taking a lot of work. Um, we're writing author bios for each author, and then we're. I also spent a long time making sure we had the corresponding books in our collection, so that if you want to read the full full item that's been excerpted, you can. So that's coming up soon. And then um, I am still in the process of inventorying the hard copy international language Braille books that are in the basement here at our office. Um, So they've kind of accumulated over the years. And I think that um, anytime anybody saw a Braille book in a language they didn't speak, they just stuck it on the shelf. So it's been... um, I've uncovered some really amazing things down there, but it's not cataloged. And so we we're we're getting them cataloged, hopefully, and then we're going to make them available to at least request through interlibrary loan. Um, There is a lot of Latin and some Greek down there as well, um, which I know folks were interested in last year. So we're trying to prioritize some of them for digitization. Like we have a, full Russian English, English Russian dictionary set um, that would be much more, much better used as a digital file. I think it's it's hard to know what what volume you're going to need to look up an, a word when, you know. Um, and then we also have full LaRousse French dictionaries and then a couple of different French to English and English to French dictionaries as well that I'm hoping we'll be able to digitize sooner rather than later. So, um, yeah, I mean, in general, you know, we're, we're continuing to add more books in more languages. Um, we're doing some more outreach work to try to help countries who are still in the process of getting their Americas exchange going. Um, and we're really trying to produce books that, of course, are of interest to our patrons, but then that we can also share abroad, um, as well to, to help with that. 
All right. That that is all so exciting for sure. It sounds like you have such a full plate, and uh, I love what I, what it sounds like. And what I'm hearing is this, um, you know, collaboration of working with, you know, whether commercial publishers or the Library of Congress, and instead of reinventing the wheel, like really focusing on where you know the NLS um, collection and and you and your staff can really bring those strengths, you know, in terms of the the navigation of the titles and the um, you know writing the the author bios and and kind of connecting that archive and making it more accessible. So that's really great. And, um, and it made, when you were saying about, um, you know, working with other uh, countries, uh, you know, I think that's so important. We have such a, uh, you know, wide collection here and being able to share that with others, um, other libraries is just really important. I, I wonder if there are some format challenges going the other way around, around as there were yeah. <laughs> coming in, I'm sure. So. Well, one thing that's been really interesting to sort of learn about on that front is, um, you know, uh, the different file types. So um, a lot of countries use Duxbury or a similar system to transcribe their Braille. And some are exporting, you know, as BRFs like like NLS uses, um, but others use BRA or BRL. Um, I learned that German has varying ASCII codes for Braille. Um, so we weren't able to just use the files that were sent to us by from Germany um, because of the difference in the in the ASCII Braille. Uh, there's also um you know, a lot of a lot of developing countries uh, are mostly using text to speech as opposed to human narrated Daisy audio. Um, I think the the files are so heavy, you know, and you have to have a player or an app or something. Um, so, a lot of what Argentina and Mexico and and other countries have shared are just text files, and then um, folks use a text-to-speech engine to read those. So um, it's real. it has been really interesting figuring out like how other countries are approaching things. Um, you know, the folks in Europe, um, they're, they're definitely a little luckier than us in that Europe, the European Union has passed an accessibility mandate that's going into effect in 2025 that requires all books that are on the European market. So not just published in Europe, but that will be sold in Europe to be in the fully accessible EPUB 3 format so that um, they would work with Braille devices and, and text-to-speech. So I think a lot of our counterparts in in Europe are um, really gearing up for that to go into effect in 2025. Wow. Yeah, definitely not as simple as it sounds to just go in, in between countries. But that's exciting, though, about the you know multifaceted approach from the regulatory side, too. Yeah, definitely. And we also run into challenges with the, the metadata that comes with the books. Um, so we had a, a situation come up recently with a book from Sweden where we didn't realize that it was text-to-speech. It was a synthetic voice um, because the, the term for synthetic voice was in Swedish. <laughs> and so it slipped through our cataloging because none of us recognized that. We thought it was the name of the narrator. Um but really, it just said synthetic voice. So um, even little things like that, that you never would have thought of do come up. Well, absolutely. Very, very dynamic and have to adapt. So, all right. Over to you, Mary. Then. Okay. Thank you, Maria. 
Um, Kelsey, I'm wondering if you can um, offer some tips and suggestions on how people can look for um, or conduct a search on through the international um, language collection um, and maybe specifically the if there's a difference um, if someone is searching on the BARD website versus the BARD iOS app. I mean, I found there to be some differences. So wondering if you could um, talk about that and especially if somebody doesn't have a, uh, a known title or author they're looking for, but want to see what titles might be available in a particular language. Yeah, absolutely. So I can um, share several suggestions on that front. Um, but first, I'll probably start with your your point about the IO, the app versus the BARD website, um, because that has changed over the past year specifically. Um, so if you're using the most recent version of the BARD mobile iOS app on an Apple device, um, you can specify whether you're looking for books in English, Spanish, or other languages. Um, we, it, it's a, there's a lot of technical backstory that I will spare y'all, but, um, it, it basically was hard, hard to do a successful search without specifying which language you're searching in. Um, so initially they had it turned off. So you could only find books in English in the built-in um, app search, which was very sad for me, as you can imagine. Um, unfortunately, that is still the case with the Android app. They just rolled out the latest version of the Android um, Bard mobile app, and that now has a built-in search function, but it does only return English books in search results. So the way that um, I recommend across the board, so you can, you don't have to worry so much about um, like which app searches what or what results you'll get is um, to use the BARD website to search and then add whatever you want to your wish list. And then um, you can download those on the app easier from your, your wish list. Noise suppression is enabled. And so part of the reason why I recommend the BARD website search is that you can actually set your preferred languages. Um, so you can go into account settings and let's say that you really only want to read books in Spanish. You can choose under it's called language preference settings. You can limit to Spanish and then any search that you do or any browse that you do will only show Spanish books. So if you went down and let's say you wanted a biography in Spanish, for example, um, you could set your Spanish, your language preferences to Spanish. You could go to the browse by subject session and then choose biography and everything that you, you got in your results. There should be Spanish biographies. Um, you can also do that kind of on the fly. So let's say you're, you know, you read in a lot of different languages or like me, I never have a set language because I'm always looking at books in a whole bunch of different languages, obviously. Um, so there's a filter option. So if you, if you browse by romance, for example, um, it will tell you sort of one of the first combo boxes on the page. It will tell you that there's, you know, 5,000 English books, there's 200 Spanish books, there's 50 French books, etc. Um, so that you can f filter those results after the fact as well. So that can help you um, with that sort of more broad searching as opposed to typing in, you know, the, the specific title of the book. 
Um, you can do that on the main Bard website page. You can say, you know, you could type in a keyword um, and then specify that you want books in French, for example. There's a language dropdown right there. Um, so that's an option as well. Um, so those are kind of my tips when it comes to bar the Bard website and then also um, Bard mobile. Um, and then I will also say that for the iOS Bard mobile app, um, if you turn your phone interface to Spanish, um, the full, the app is available in Spanish entirely and the voiceover for it is Spanish as well. Um, so we just did a ton of testing on that. So it doesn't apply to Android yet, just based on how they, they set up their, their, um, operating system, but it does work very well on, on Apple. So that's, uh, it's a big, big improvement. Um, and then, of course, you know, we always have the the NLS catalog, and that's where, like, our full collection is. Everything, like, all of our hard copy Braille that you can get through interlibrary loan, um, everything. It's not just what's on, on BARD. Um, so, you can limit your results in the catalog uh, to a particular language by doing either a keyword or an advanced search. Um, you can enter your search term. There's a little um, button that is called add limits. You can choose your desired language from the list. <laughs> and the list is is every language that's available in the full Library of Congress collection, not just NLS. Um, so there's a lot of languages in there that I don't know what they are, for example, but they're the ones that we have are there as well. Um, and then you click search. So let's say you're looking for Spanish books by Daniel Steele. Um, you could go to nlscatalog.loc.gov, click keyword search, enter Steele comma Danielle in the search box. You choose author narrator as the type of search, click add limits, choose Spanish from the language list, and then click search. And it does sound like a lot of steps, but it's actually a lot fewer steps than it used to be. So the final pitch I'll make when it comes to finding um, international language books is if you're looking for a snapshot of some of the newer things that we've added to the collection, um, we are doing International Language Quarterly, um, which is a publication that's somewhat similar to TBT and BRB, Braille Book, BBR, there we go. <laughs> um and it's it's found online at www.loc.gov slash NLS slash ILQ, International Language Quarterly. And that's a nice selection of recent titles. You know, in some languages, we're able to put all of the new titles that we've added in that quarter. But of course, Spanish is usually about 50. And we're adding, you know, 300 or more every quarter now in Spanish. So it's still just a selection, but it, it's a good way to see what's new. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's, 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 <laughs> it's almost that's, too much. It's amazing. I mean, there's so much in, in the collection and so many um, ways of being able to connect the different parts of the collection, you know, all the different ways in which you can do a search. Um, I had actually just tried doing a search uh, um, of any Armenian titles mm -hmm. that might be in the collection. And I saw one just in yeah. doing my own little sort of skeletal search. So I'm not sure if I 
You did it right. Unfortunately, I, yeah, our Armenian okay. selection is rather uh, lacking. Yeah. It's it's yeah. one of my languages that has been really tricky to find. Um, I actually I was thrilled because you know one of our sources for commercial audiobooks is Overdrive, and I did a search for Armenian, and all these books came up, and then I realized they were actually in Amharic, which mm. is not the same. Right, right. That's interesting. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> And there hasn't been any Armenian that's been shared via Marrakesh yet either. So um, I, I have this ongoing list of languages uh, that are sort of my my white whales, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And Armenian is on that list, along with uh, Lao, um, more Tagalog, Haitian Creole, Burmese... Uh, Twi, Swahili, Pashto, Kenya, Rwanda, and then more um, Native American languages as well. Oh, very, very good. Well, it did actually, when I, I tried a couple of different ways, including just keeping it um, English and then typing in Armenian in the for, um, uh, subject, in the, um, you know, the uh-huh, search the, the field. search box, yeah. The search field. And I actually came up with, you know, obviously then they were, books in English with English in English, but um, I found a wonderful music recording that NLS had done of, of a wonderful Armenian folk singer. It was wow. part of their folk collection. It was actually recorded at um, Coolidge Hall, I think, Col- oh, Coolidge yeah. Auditorium, part of yeah. NLS. They and, do and events it, there, yeah. It was wonderful to hear the music that I had remembered as a child. So, Oh, wow. I, that was a real surprise to hear that. So, I re- I mean, I've always heard about the music collection, but now I, I saw firsthand or heard firsthand just what's there would really strongly recommend people exploring the, you know, the music collection through yeah, NLS. Yeah. And we do, um, like one of the things that was requested recently um, was like Spanish piano and guitar learning, like um uh, learning materials, you know, when you're just getting started with learning how to play. Um, we have quite a few of those in English, but there was a request to have those in Spanish as well. So I think we have one piano in Spanish, but they were going to look into guitar as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, the music collection is, it's basically unparalleled. Um, and a lot of other countries have been very interested in getting our Braille scores. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Okay, well, thank you. And over, over to, back to you, Maria. All right, thank you, Mary. So before we uh, do open this up for Q&A, um, and, and I have to just say, too, in terms of, I think it's great about the, you know, Native American collection, too. You know, we often think like non-English, meaning some other country. And I think that's such an important aspect, too, to bring in, especially as there's, you know, more... Um, cultural awareness, um, you know, in, 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 uh, for, for people in these, um, from these groups, you know, and of course there are people who are blind or low vision or other print, um, have other print related disabilities there and, um, to be able to, you know, foster that access for them to, uh, hopefully, you know, learn or have practice, practice, yeah, in, in their um, native languages is really important. Um, so uh, before we open it up for some Q&A, um, anything else that you would like to add? Anything that you feel like we didn't cover? Or anything that came up during the conversation <laughs> that you felt like you wanted to elaborate on? Sure. Well, I, you know, speaking of, of Native American languages, um, my, so Alice O'Reilly, who's the director of our collections division, um, she 
is actually participating in the Association of Tribal Archives, Libraries, and Museums. Um, so, yeah, Association of Tribal Atom, that's it. Uh, so um, she attended last year and met a huge number of librarians who are working on reservations around the country and who have been like hand brailing things for their patrons because they have no access to materials. Um, so uh, we're partnering with a, a publisher out of Arizona to get some materials in Hopi and Navajo. Um, and then there's some folks in Minnesota who have also been working on Ojibwe. So it's a, it's a very, um, tricky topic, um, that we want to make sure that we're approaching, um, in the best way possible. So we're not moving too fast. Um, but we're, we're really focused on trying to better serve, um, patrons who might speak a, a Native American language too. So that's been a, a big focus for the past year and probably will be going forward for, for, you know, a considerable amount of time. Um, so we are still trying to add more language learning books um, and we have managed to provide, you know, a lot of these audio language courses come with what are essentially textbooks. You know, they come with this huge, like long PDF and it, and you're supposed to follow along with it while you're listening. Um, but they're really hard to get narrated and they're really designed to be, to be read. So we've been um, providing a few of those in, in Braille. So now you can do Spanish, French, and German, and you can listen to the audio course and then follow along with the, the Braille accompanying material. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, we still have Chinese and Arabic language learning in the works. And then we've gotten requests for a number of others like Polish and Tagalog and learning Cherokee, um, the native language Cherokee. And uh, they're, they can be a little bit tricky to come by, as you can imagine, um, you know, and sometimes we can get the audio, but we can't get the, the text that goes along with it. And then it kind of makes for a, a disappointing experience when they say, like, turn to page 45 and you can't. So we're really working on that. Um and I, you know, I mentioned all of the hard copy in the basement and then my, my, uh, elusive languages that are always on my radar, but I haven't managed to track down. Um, one other collaboration that we're working on in that front is to work with the Library of Congress's field offices. So the Library of Congress has a field office in Rio, Rio de Janeiro, um, Nairobi, Islamabad, uh, Jakarta, Delhi, and I'm probably missing one. Um, but there's, there's folks scattered around the world who are, who are looking for books in, um, that are published in, in their regions. And so I've been able to meet with a few of them and get in touch with them so that they can keep an eye out for things like audiobooks in Tagalog or, you know, Braille books in Lao, um, that are going to be really hard to come by here in the States. So, yeah, um, it's been a very busy year, as you can imagine, <laughs> and we've always got a lot of stuff going on, and I anticipate it will continue to be busy going forward. So, yeah, I'd be happy to take anybody's questions at this point. Okay, very good. That sounds like it. Always, always busy. 
All right. Um, Jeanette, do we have any? I think I do see a hand. We do. First, I'm going to... Uh, Jewel, you should be able to speak. Yes. Hi. Konnichiwa. Um, my question, obviously, is about Japanese. Is there any expectation for any um, non-English Braille books um, other than Spanish, especially interested in things like Japanese and Arabic and Chinese that are different Braille codes? Mm-hmm. And if is there a possibility of help resource <clears throat> those from places um, to get on on my own, especially Japanese? I'm trying to learn Japanese, and I'll be going to school and taking a college course in Japanese. So it would be nice stuff to practice on. Yeah. Um, so Japanese has been a little interesting. Um, they have shared via um, the Marrakesh Treaty, but they've mostly shared audiobooks, no Braille. Um, and the audiobooks actually broke our conversion tool because um, it wasn't designed to deal with the characters in the file name. Um, it could handle, you know, all the stuff in the actual file, but not the file name itself. So, um but that's uh, good to know that there's a demand for that. Um, so we might be able to look into some alternate sources. So um, mostly language learning or like basic books in, in Japanese Braille. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and specifically, I'm learning Japanese now and I'm learning the Japanese Braille code through Duolingo using mm-hmm. my NLSE reader, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Connecting it to, with my phone. That's super cool. It is great. And I actually have gotten somebody doing that with Arabic to learn Arabic as well. Um, I'm going to recommend that. Like, yep. Um, but that is the only source of Japanese Braille code that I've been able to find, which is uh, Tenkan. I think a Tenji is the um, uncontracted. And the, there's a Kanji, which is a Kananji. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that is the kanji version of japanese braille code so obviously there's going to be levels with that as well right Uh, so but yeah i'm pretty new in my i know the japanese braille um code for like um uh kana but uh, not the kanji and i'm just looking into sources for japanese braille books especially language learning um i spoke to my talking book library the only book they were able to find was a language learning book from Interlibrary Loan, and it is in UEB only. There is no Japanese Braille co- um, code. Yeah. Um, it, so it's kind of hard when you're learning a uh, language that is in another alphabet to then look at English, you know, look, what yep. it would be uh, Romanji. Romanji, that's it. Romanji, which is the Roman ling- letters for the Japanese words. Oh, and okay to the Japanese Braille. Yeah, and that question of which Braille code is used when has come up for us a lot lately. Um, because well, especially in language learning where it's like a sentence in English and then a sentence in the other language, sure. um, it can be really tricky to switch back and forth between Braille codes. And like the Braille Authority of North America actually recommends not doing that. They recommend using um, UEB for the entire thing so mm-hmm. it kind of depends on on where you get the book from i did uh i think that we you know thinking about this um 
Oh, wait, wrong one. I think we were able to get a Japanese learning book from uh, the UK through Marrakesh. Uh, and I'm trying to find it. Uh, yes, Japanese in three months. Hmm. Um, I can tell you the book number. But that would be audiobook, wouldn't it? No, it's Braille. Oh, that's Braille. Okay. But it's going to be in the UEB, not, uh, not UB. Um, well, yeah, Britain is UEB now. So. Yeah. So it's, it's UK, but I'm not sure when it was actually produced. Um, oh, so old British. Code. It's, oh, it looks like it was 1998. Yeah. So that'd be old British code, which I actually do know from like conundrum and stuff too. So it's not that different. Yeah, oh. so it might it might help. Um, it doesn't specify whether the Japanese is in Japanese Braille or not, but the the book number is BRG zero four three eight five. Japanese in three months. Okay, I'll look for that. Um, I will say I do know that when a um document is typed in Japanese on a computer. Mm-hmm. Or- lingo it's coded for japanese it will switch to uncontracted braille for english with um the letter sign in front of it to let you know that this is not Mm -hmm. um if it's already in the japanese code it will switch it through the computer i'm not sure how to work with your embossers and duxbury and stuff but i do know that much and that would be the same for like um arabic Mm -hmm. and leave also do the little letter symbol and then just uncontracted braille okay i'll keep an eye out for that for sure <laughs> and i'd be happy to help if it's something there's something i can help with with the non-english alphabets non-latin alphabets right okay thank well, you i'm taking your name down hello this is very interesting and i want to thank you for doing this i really do Sure. That's, I'm happy. I could talk about it all day. So yeah, I could too. Um, and I, I like um, your language behind the wheel series where you have the, um, you know, language learning materials. Yeah. My question is, there's one Pimsleur Italian book in the audio, but there is no Braille support for it. I teach Spanish, French and German and Latin. Mm-hmm. And I am looking, I'm just starting to teach my first Italian class, but I don't feel as competent in Italian because it's my newest language. I don't have as much teaching material. So I'm trying to look at Italian books um, a lot, you know, just for not only ideas, but support. And I've done a lot with mm-hmm. share. Do you have any idea if, any if there's going to be any audio and braille italian programs added and if you know of any braille italian books or if um how does one find out if there are um updates to the language should you go to language behind the wheel all the time or what's the best search term to put in to yeah absolutely so I, those are my questions sure and um, i don't want to um monopolize your time so i'll <laughs> go with the key Okay, well, um, the, so the first question, um, about this, the specific Pimsleur Italian, um, we've had a really super hard time getting the accompanying texts material for Pimsleur specifically. Um, we can't get it through any of our typical cha- channels, like where we got the behind the wheel series. Um, that said, I was pretty sure that we were working on the Italian for behind the wheel. Yes, 
Um, so it's still in process. Um, I don't know where it's at in process right now, um, but it's, it is going to happen. So there will at least be that one. Um, what I will say is that for all of these language learning items, um, the, the search terms are a little bit different than what you would expect. Um, so the best way to find them is to type in the language and self-instruction. So Italian language self-instruction. And that um, you could do that for Spanish, you could do it for Chinese, and that's like the official Library of Congress subject heading, Italian language self-instruction. Um, there's also Italian language study and teaching, um, which could get you to a few more items. Um, what I will say is that I know um, we have added some Italian Braille, uh, electronic Italian. That's, you know what? I don't know if it ever made it into the collection or not. Um, when I first started, I was like, oh, Italian Braille, we should get some. But I didn't fully understand all of the challenges that I mentioned earlier about file types and numbers of lines per page and all these different things. Um, so I don't think it ended up there, but it would be, it wouldn't be too. It would be easier for me to add now than it was um, before. So I will keep that on my radar. And then we do actually have a fair amount of hard copy Italian Braille um, that you can get through interlibrary loan. So in the cat, you have to use the catalog to find those. Obviously, they're not in Bard because you can't download them. So if you did a keyword search... Um, you could put Italian as a keyword. That's what I do whenever I'm just looking for generic stuff. Um, I just put the name of the language in as the keyword. You could add limits, choose Italian. You could specify that you're looking for a book under type of material and then specify Braille under format. Yeah, we have 144 books in Italian and in Braille that you could get through Interlibrary alone. And that includes things like Pinocchio. Um, we have the, the Divine Comedy. Um, and then there's a few like contemporary Italian short stories, you know, things that might be a little bit easier to start with. And anything at all for Latin? I know my hopes are low, but... <laughs> um, you know, the the Latin learning situation is not great. Um, I know that for a fact. But as far as what we have in Braille in general, let me just try this out here. Yeah, we have we have 58 hard copy um Latin titles that you could get through interlibrary loan. Um so those are mostly at our multi-state center east which is in cincinnati um so i see scudder's second year latin latin for americans latin for today first year second year i'm sure i mean these are from the 40s and 50s so it's not recent stuff but they they are there um if that would be helpful thank you you're welcome grazie prego all right. Well, while we're uh, waiting for 
some others to uh, ask a question. Thank you for that tip about uh, searching about self-instruction. I was I was there in the catalog with you. I was looking for Croatian, which is mm-hmm. my native language. And I see apparently with the keyword, like 352, I believe, results came back. So I'll have to uh, see see what all of that is. Um, and then I, I had looked up Hindi as well as I'm uh, interested in learning that. So um, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, we actually, Hindi is among the hard copy Braille stuff that we have in the basement. Um, oh, the mystery stuff in the basement. Yes. So um, we have Hindi downstairs. Um, so I guess I have to brush up on my Hindi as well. Yeah. <laughs> are you, are you um, in terms of, the, are you digitizing these hard copy? Are you converting them to electronic formats? What? Um, we'd like to do that for them. Um, I mean, like the, the items that we have in hard copy Braille at the multi-state center East are remarkable. Um, you know, we have this, this huge, I haven't been able to go see it in person yet, but this huge collection, like, you know, over 5,000 titles, not volumes, titles, um, that are just hanging out and can be shared through interlibrary loan relatively easily. You know, they have staff at MSCE that are, are ready to pull those off the shelves and ship them out to people. I'd love to see them getting a little bit more use because they are remarkable, but I also know that, you know, more and more folks are using digital Braille, um, yeah. especially with the e-readers. So um, we don't, like, at the moment, we, we don't have, like, a we have a, a process in place to digitize the music scores, um, but we haven't set up anything like that at the the warehouse yet. So that is definitely, I think, in the five-year plan type of, of range. Um, but I'd love it if we could get some digital dictionaries up because um, those are so much easier to consult electronically yeah. than, you know, in 50 volumes. Yeah. So, um yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. But for now, I mean, at the moment, they're like completely inaccessible. They're not cataloged. They're not, you know, there's no way for, for patrons to actually use them. The ones that are in our basement, um, the ones that are at MSE are fully cataloged. You can request them. Um, so we're hoping to get them cataloged and then at least have them then join their their brethren, if you will, at, at MSE um, and then hopefully digitize. So that's that's the hope. Another thing to add to the five-year plan. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe the ten ten-year plan. We'll see. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Jeanette, is, if there's not another question or question yet, I have one. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't see any problems. Okay. Um, so, Kelsey, I'm wondering if um, you know, I mean, I enjoy, I love when I can when a book comes up on bar that has been translated into English by an author who I'd heard about, you know, whether, mm-hmm. you know, Korean, Japanese, you know, whoever might be in, in, in a book that sounds really interesting. And, you know, they're fairly current books. So, you know, getting that book translated into English, and then I get to listen to it. And I'm wondering if those books in their original language are in the international language collection. I mean, I haven't checked. I, I, I could certainly do a check by uh, author. But I'm wondering if some of these books that have been translated into English and have gotten a lot of press um, yeah. are in there in the form, in international language collection. Um, I will say it very much depends. Um, <laughs> when I started, that was that was like the first thing that I started on for Spanish was making sure that we had the original Spanish version of books that we had in English translation. Um, so 
The Spanish collection, I think, is, I would say, yes, we usually do have those. Um, for other languages, it can be a little bit trickier. Um, I think for French, for French and German. Um, so like German, I went through and I've, I've tried to get all of the like German book award winners, for example, which are mm-hmm. frequently some of the things that end up getting translated. Um, same goes for Russian. Um, they have a, basically the Russian Booker Prize. Um, but for things coming from Japanese, Korean, Chinese, um, art, the availability is just really tricky. Um, so Korea is sharing through the Marrakesh Treaty, but they only share Daisy text um, for text to speech. Um, so they might have the original books, but we have no way to like integrate them into our collection at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then China has they fully ratified the treaty in um, May of 2021. But they haven't actually started sharing yet. And just for reference, like we we fully ratified the treaty in the U.S. in 2019, and we weren't really able to share for another like year, year and a half, just because of of the workflows that have to be figured out and the file sharing and all these different things that have to get straightened out. Sometimes with lawyers, lawyers. Um, so I don't know for sure when we'll have like a really robust. Um, like collection that matches up that really includes those those high high popularity titles that are getting enough press to get translated into English. I will say I could also write a study on what gets translated when um, because I frequently see popular English books get translated into Italian and Polish before Spanish, which is very fascinating to me um, because I wouldn't expect that the Spanish market would be much larger than either the Italian or Polish, but I don't know. Um, mm. It's Yeah, it's very curious to see what gets picked up when. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, feel free as we're, I, I can ask questions all day too. <laughs> <laughs> but feel free if you want to give our... Uh, attendees here don't be shy to raise your hand if you'd like to ask a question um while they're thinking um how you were uh, going back to you'd mentioned about the eu uh the regulations to have the content produced in epub 3 and i know there is some discussion here in the u.s i don't remember who all is behind it in terms of the ebrf format development that would facilitate greater navigation in the Braille files? Is there any kind of consideration at NLS in terms of how to, you know, moving forward, like with with some of these new formats? Like, I mean, presumably, right, the EPUB 3, that has to be, you know, converted now, but, you know, perhaps down the line, if there's some other, you know, confluence, right, between these formats to, you know, lessen that workflow and just kind of be able to automate it more. Yeah, I think there are a lot of discussions like that happening. Um, I know, like, uh, we're participating in the, the DAISY consortium. Um, and I think that the advent of Marrakesh has also really started bringing up more of these discussions, um, just because it's in all of our best interests to try to be on the same page so that we're not duplicating effort like we, we were for so many years, you know, where, I mean, England would produce game of thrones and 
in Braille and we would produce Game of Thrones in Braille. And, you know, the amount of time and money that would go into that is just astounding for both of us to have to do that. So I think that with the EU regulation coming into force and then just just more like the, the technology keeps making more options available that I do think there's a lot of conversations going on, not just at NLS, but kind of around the world um, as to how we can we can best keep up with those and and get patrons what works best now um for everyone so yeah well that's great that's encouraging to hear it sounds like again it's one of those it's going to take some time and some international you know dialoguing and such as well but exactly mm-hmm. um and you mentioned just in terms i'm uh, sorry mary i'll just turn it back over to you in a second when you had uh something had come up about book numbers in marrakesh and such i just wanted to clarify I think I have seen for anyone else is, is so the G, right? So the way that they're actually numbered, uh, like you have the DB and the BR, and sometimes they have other prefixes or suffixes. So is it the G? I assume that means global or yes. those the Marrakesh? Okay. Yes. Good job. Um, <laughs> M was already taken for music. So we okay. had to get a little creative and we went with G for global. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yes, um, they are primarily DBGs. For audio and BRGs for Braille. Um, and there are still a few DBFs showing up, and those are mostly um, what we've converted from other formats. Um, so that was another interesting thing is that a lot of other countries are using just regular MP3 books with no navigation, no um, no anything like that, which of course doesn't really play well with our systems. Um, so we've been converting those by hand to uh you know full nls audio format um and so that applies to hebrew and then a lot of the russian that we've gotten through marrakesh and so you might see some of those showing up as dbfs or they're from foreign libraries all right mary over to you i'm not seeing mm-hmm. questions as of now so i think okay. okay well i do i just i was th- thinking just um wondering what kind of outreach um, you do, Kelsey, or the International Library does outreach to different communities to let them know about this amazing collection available? For, yeah, for so, um, you know, the, the Spanish website was a, a big step in the right direction on that front, um, just because that way patrons can actually find it and use it. And um, and that went along with a big digital marketing campaign. I don't know, I kept I kept seeing them. It could be just due to my... I don't know, my smartphone listening to me in the office, but I kept seeing the the little ads for NLS pop up on my Instagram and my Facebook. Um, so that has been going on for the, the past uh, several months, um, maybe more, maybe like sex time flies. Um, so we're all, we're trying to do more advertising in general. And then, um, you know, it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg situation. You know, I know based on like doing research with census data, that there's a huge number of Tagalog speakers, Tagalog and Filipino speakers mm-hmm. who um, have some sort of uh, vision difficulty. That's how the census categorizes it. But we have very, very, very few patrons who speak Tagalog because we have very, very few books in Tagalog in the collection. Um, so it's, We've had to do some work to build up the collection, I think, before um, we could do a ton of advertising. Um, (laughs) One, you know, a couple strategies that I've, that we've, we've um, worked on is uh, working more closely with the VA 
and we actually put together starter packs. Um, and if any of y'all are interested in seeing like a selection, a brief selection, it's more like a sampling of what we have in the collection in Spanish and French. Um, like you can do a search for VA starter pack Spanish or VA starter pack French. And it's like a series that you can subscribe to on Bard um, and just kind of gives you a, a look at what we've got. Right. So we have um, a VA starter pack in Spanish for mystery and suspense. We have it for romance. We have, you know, some like classic um, translations, like a lot of different things. So that's available for Spanish and French. Um, and then we also, we haven't um, really followed through on this yet due to some of the other things that we've been working on. But um, I I know that there's a huge amount of outreach that takes place um, through church organizations, um, especially like the Catholic church for Spanish speakers, but also evangelical. So um, I've tried to get a lot of the core books um, for both Catholic and evangelical um, in Spanish in the collection with, with a view to being able to maybe leverage that down the road. Um, But also tell your friends, you know, (laughs) Uh, I'll talk to anybody who wants to listen about Mm -hmm. all of our um, international language books. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the Spanish sees a fair amount of use and I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to see like a lot of the Croatian that I've added recently. I don't know if you've seen Maria, but we've been able to get some through Marrakesh. Um, and that stuff and the Hebrew as well is really getting downloaded. Um, so it's, it's really great to see that happening. Very cool. I will be adding to your download of Croatian textbooks. <laughs> Please. Um, there's some, they, Croatia has actually shared a ton. So there's original language Croatian literature, liter, literature. And then there's also um, English books that have been translated into Croatian. Like I got some Dan Brown and Lisa C and Nora Roberts and all kinds of good wow. stuff. Wow. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And just to, uh, for those, because I'm not sure that I caught it, when you were talking about the starter packs, is it V as in Victor and then A as in Alpha? Yes. So okay. that's a veterans administration. So one of our, yeah. um, oh, I see. you know, we've, our, our, like our original statute, like the founding of, of NLS specified that um, we should always give priority service to veterans. And so we work closely with the Veterans Administration, Veterans Affairs, Veterans A, yes. <laughs> um to to make sure that we're providing support for for that group of our constituents right and we have we since we have a we do have a few more minutes left um maybe i can ask uh maybe we'll do like one more question i'm not seeing hands but we can um perhaps ask one more, I have one more question, and then perhaps we can do contact info and some closing. So, um, uh, so you were mentioning, I mean, uh, just some of these. Excuse me, Maria. Yes. We actually do have one raised hand. Excellent. Here comes one. Jewel. Um, So on the topic of religious stuff, um, I know there's a great interest among um, blind Muslims in the Quran. Is there yeah. any movement with that? I know there um, is an Arabic Quran in that dusty area. <laughs> yes. Um, so 
We were making some great progress on getting a digital Quran that um, a gentleman in, uh, well, he he runs a, a transcribing company in Washington, Washington State. Um, and then one of my colleagues went out on maternity leave. Um, and so she was like our primary, like she, she has done a lot of work with Braille and kind of understands a lot of the requirements as to what we need to get. Um, but she's coming back soon. So I am, I'm hopeful that we will be able to take that up again and make some progress on it. Um, so I know that would be really, yeah, we, I mean, it's the, the, the Quran that we have here in the building is lovely, right? It's from Saudi Arabia. It's Uh in like, it's got, you know, it's black with like gold, um, Oh, wow. It's fancy you know, one. It's very fancy. And um, I would love to be able to get that out somehow. Um, but yeah. it's also very special. So it's, you know, it's kind of a, but we, so yes, it is very high on my list. Um, we also got a request to get the Quran in Arabic, English, Arabic and English, like a bilingual audio oh, version. Yeah. Um, and my- I was super thrilled because I thought we were going to get it, be able to get it through our, or work with overdrive, but they are missing like the whole first part. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Ladies, I apologize. We have less than two minutes. Okay. Thank you so much for that update. Yeah, absolutely. It's a priority for sure. All right. Thank you, John. Thanks, Jeanette, for helping to keep the time. So uh, in our last couple of minutes here, um, Kelsey, would you like to give any kind of contact information if folks would like to reach out to you or if they have questions about the collection or about, you know, obtaining or requesting, you know, books in other languages and such? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll say um, that it's always great to talk to your network libraries um, because then we can kind of see... uh, you know, what everybody in that, that region is interested in and, and, and the librarians are really great at passing that on to us. Um, but I'm also always eager to hear about things. So my email is K R I V E R A at L O C dot gov. So that's K Rivera at L O C dot gov. And I am of course just about to go on vacation. So I'll be gone. Um, but, uh, I'm around most of the time. So very good. Well, enjoy your vacation. Thank you very much again, Kelsey, for being here. This has been such a fascinating session. I know I have learned a lot uh, before I hand it over to Jeanette for the ending code. Mary, do you have any closing words? Oh, I just want to thank Kelsey for joining us today for such a uh, detailed and wonderful and just sort of vibrant update. And, and information about the um, the library. So thank you so much for joining us and thank you everybody for, for being with us. All right. And Jeanette, before we close out, can you give the ending code? Please? All right. I'm going to give the closing code. I will repeat it slowly twice. <clears throat> nine, four, nine, three, two. And the second time, nine, four, nine, three, two. Very good. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for hosting. Thank you, Nikki, for streaming and Kelsey for being here and Mary for co-facilitating with me. And thank you to all of you who attended and listened to the session and asked some great questions. And we hope that you will join both IRC and MCAC for other uh, great events that we have planned for the rest of convention. So thanks again.
Hope you have a great day.